Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to your day two Australian Open tennis podcast. There are three minutes remaining of day two. It is 11.57pm as we come to you from Tennis Podcast Towers, Melbourne. Tennis, of course, being tennis, is still happening at Melbourne Park. And that might be the case for, well, who knows how many hours to come. Alexi Popperin, the latest Australian sensation is currently doing battle on the John Kane Arena. Novak Djokovic is currently a set to the good on the Rod Laver Arena. And Kasper Ruud looks, well, well on the way to victory on the second court. And uh, if any of those matches develop into big stories, including the Australian sensation, Alexi Popperin, not not quite sure what he would have to do to steal the international headlines, but uh, Channel 9 over here is certainly very into uh, what he's up to at the moment. But of course, uh, if any of those develop into big headlines, we will be recording an addendum to this podcast. Don't worry, we won't leave you hanging. But we have one very big story that is dominated day two of the Australian Open. Myself, David and Matt will be talking about that in just a moment's time. First, I want to remind you that throughout this Australian Open. The Tennis Podcast is sponsored by On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider. On Location, of course, owns Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours, an iconic name in in the tennis tour world, <laughs> uh, which has been developing world-class tennis holidays for nearly 50 years. They are the official tour operators of the BMP Paribas Open in Indian Wells, where we will all be going in March for the very first time, and as well of the Miami Open presented by Itau, which follows on from Indian Wells. It's the second leg in the Sunshine Double, the the back end of the Sunshine Double Donkey. <laughs> That is that's is that isn't how they officially sell themselves, but it, it's something to consider for the marketing team uh, at the Miami Open. And if you would like to get yourself a package to go to either of those tournaments or any of the brilliant tournaments uh, that Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours provide experience packages to, then friends of the tennis podcast get a five percent discount uh, on all of their packages so uh, details of that 
are in our newsletter and in our show notes how to become a friend of the tennis podcast if you're not already and in the most hashtag humble way possible if you do get yourself a package deal to come to indian wells you'll also probably get to meet us you will so can't (laughs) comment on how good that would be how'd you say that without not Sounding one of those people. Well, it's Can't done do now, it. David. <laughs> it's done now. You, let's, did a, you did a good job. Let's talk tennis. A lot has happened today. Actually, not quite as much has happened as we might have wanted to happen because um, heat, first and foremost, and then rain has really made it quite a stuttering day on the outside courts. But luckily, we're very spoiled uh, with roofs. And with air conditioning, Matt and I had a big debate earlier about whether it's roofs or roofs. That is a problem. I don't know. I'm 49 and I don't know. No, we had to type it out and have a look at what looked right or not. Which is it? This isn't the dynamic content people have tuned into the podcast for, David. But now everybody wants to know. I don't think, either, I don't think I there think is a categorical right. right or wrong, but roofs looked wrong written yeah, down. Yeah, I anyway. like roofs. With an F. Whatever they are, there's three of them here, and thank goodness for that. So they have been able to get a good amount of tennis played and finished at Melbourne Park today, if not the full schedule. And one of those tennis matches that did get finished today was 35-year-old Andy Murray and his metal hip. 2,050 days since his last win over a top 20 player at a Grand Slam beat Matteo Berrettini today, 6-3, after saving a match point at 4-5 in the fifth set. And Matt is still chuckling about the backhand that Matteo Berrettini played on that match point. E- I saw, I met evil Matt today, David. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the anti-backhand list moment. Yes, that's exactly what it was. It's one of those where to say that Andy Murray saved the match point is actually wrong, really, isn't it? Because Matteo Berrettini fluffed he his did, lines. He did what you moment. or I would do in that and, moment. And, and, it, yeah. and honestly, Berrettini's backhand was so bad that we're forgetting how bad Andy Murray's drop shot was <laughs> in that rally. He basically... Gave the ball to Matteo Berrettini to hit a winner on. And I think he just sees Murray move to cover the line and decides to change and flick it cross court. But he's got so much time on the ball on that backhand and he just dumps it in the bottom of the net. It was was horrible. so offended by that backhand. it, It was a shot that I think most club players most social players if they've got no pressure and they've got nobody watching them would feel very confident about making yeah it's it's in the sort of pantheon of haunting tennis shots you know i think Matteo Berrettini should and will be thinking about that backhand for a while it it, it sort of reminds me of the Andy Roddick high backhand against Ooh, Roger Federer yeah. and this the was way, backhand this volley. Was the way worse, this, and that was a hard shot. That's yeah. a hard shot in tennis. But, you know, I always think think of that shot as must be haunting. Yeah, I described it as a howler in, right. in commentary. This was, yeah, it was, it was, that's exactly what it was. I don't, I don't want to mislead so, so you, folks. Sorry to on a bum note. Don't then. want to mislead <laughs> you. Because it was lots, a great match. Lots we just of had to really, get that out of our we, I had to get it out of the way. Lots of really good <laughs> stuff happened this match. In fact, it was one of... It was one of the incredible moments. It was one of those moments that will stay with me 
for an incredibly long time. Andy Murray leading by two sets, gets pegged back to to level. And we go into the decider, Andy Murray with uh, Matteo Berrettini with the momentum. And yet somehow Andy Murray was not to be denied. He found, in Matt's words on Twitter, the I'm not fucking done yet, Andy Murray. He found that guy. Yeah. And it was extraordinary. Andy Murray still hasn't lost a match from two sets up since his Wimbledon debut in 2005. And he deserved it. He deserved it, even though Berrettini hit that backhand into the net on match point, and it almost felt like Andy Murray, with that drop shot, was saying, I can take no more, have it. I'm, I know he wasn't thinking that, really. He just messed up the execution, but it was almost as though he'd got nothing left, and then suddenly he was given a lifeline. And boy, did he grasp onto it. But over the course of the match... He was the better player. He was the one who deserved to win that tennis match. And given everything else around it, and all the years that he's been waiting for that moment, do you, can't deny him. Do you know, David, the, the, the closing words of Andy's, Andy Murray's first answer in the press conference after that extraordinary match? He gave a, a long and effusive explanation of, of the match and how he felt and the emotions it evoked, all of that. And then he paused and looked the journalist who had asked the question, possibly Eleanor Crooks, can't it quite was, imagine. Yeah. I can't quite remember. Yeah, Eleanor Crooks um, looked her dead in the eye and said, I deserved it. I deserved the win. And it was it was a real moment, wasn't it? It was um, it was a bit of a death stare. Not, I mean, Eleanor was not for a moment suggesting he didn't deserve the win, but, but it, it was almost a, it was almost a warning shot across the bows. If there's anyone out there that thinks that I didn't deserve this win because Matteo Berrettini fluffed his lines at match point up, you're wrong. Yeah, and I think that's what makes this match so special. Like, not only the fact that he won it, but that he did something here that he hasn't been able to do since the hip surgery, which was sustain a really high level over five sets against a top, top player. You know, he's sort of been in this cycle, Murray, of playing quite well and falling short or not quite being able to live with the top players anymore. And he'd only won eight Grand Slam matches prior to this one, since the hip surgery. And half of those were against James Duckworth and Basilashvili. He's, he's beaten them each twice. He's also beaten Oscar Otter. He's beaten um, Emilio Nava, Francisco Sarundolo, and Yoshihito Nishioka. And now he's beaten Matteo Berrettini. This is a different category of victory to what he's had in, in slams, you know, in the last five years, really. And... Yeah, metal hip, bloody knee, bloody elbow, 35 years old, and yet he still managed to find a way through it. And it was just a classic, stressful Andy Murray experience, you know, and all of his strength was on display and all of his vulnerability as well. And that is always such a potent, powerful combination. It's what makes him... So incredibly compelling to watch, I think. Some of the some of the 
greatest pieces that have been written about Andy Murray, one by Jonathan Liu, I think, springs to mind. But they they point out that he is the most mortal of all the godlike athletes. He does superhuman things as a as a mortal, as 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 a man with a metal hip, as a totally frail human being that has been forced to confront his own sporting mortality long before he ever deserved to, really. <laughs> and yet that context is exactly what makes just winning a match like this completely superhuman. You know, this is doing something that you know, he'll never have 22 Grand Slams. He'll never have 21 Grand Slams. He'll never do a lot of the things that any of the big three have done. But none of them have ever done what he did today. <laughs> and they probably hope they never have to. But, you know, he's got a metal hip. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things, like... I remember with Petra Kvitova's run to to the final here in 2019 when she lost to Naomi Osaka. The, the balance between just treating her as a normal tennis player, having a brilliant run, and and also sort of wanting to point out after every single brilliant shot, you know someone stabbed her in her racket hand a few, a few years ago. You know that she still doesn't have full sensation and full mobility in the part of her body that grips the tennis racket. It's its like that with Andy Murray. It's almost like, how can we be talking about this like it's a normal tennis match? He's had a hip replacement. And the guy was done. The guy was done four years ago. He announced his retirement all but in front of us in a press conference. We were all there. And uh, and he tried to get onto a stool to speak to you after the match against Roberto Valtis and he could barely get on it. And he sort of hobbled off into the distance. And he looks anything but a world-class athlete. And, uh, and all of the effort, all of the, the struggle has been for this moment. For this moment to finally stare down one of the, one of the top guys. Take him on. Best of five sets. Grand slam. Five hours. And beat him. And that's what he did today. Now, he doesn't want to end there. But... Goodness me, that was like watching Andy Murray of old today. Everything was there. The, the, the serve was potent. The racket ability from the back of the court, diverting, diffusing, turning the tables. It was just glorious to watch if you have ever enjoyed watching Andy Murray's tennis over the last 17 or 18 years. Yeah, what does, what does form even mean anymore? It turns out you can just speak it into existence because Murray told us that he, yep. was, that he had this he form. He was feeling good. And yet there was... There was no evidence on the match court to suggest that he was playing like this, but my God, he was right because this was. And I'm not. I'm not only saying this because he ended up winning the match. This was the best I've seen Andy Murray play in such a long time, and he sustained it for the match. Like I think he had a little drop off in the third set, and that maybe slightly allowed Berrettini in. He had some break points, didn't he? To and Berrettini wasn't playing well today, he, overall. No, indeed. And he was particularly bad in those in those first two sets. I think sets four and five was the match I was expecting, really. Close, competitive, 
I do think the conditions, it being moved indoors right at the last minute, ended up helping Andy Murray. And I think that was Berrettini's assessment as well, wasn't it? It was, in a completely magnanimous way. He's not annoyed about the roof being closed. The roof. The, the rule is that when uh, players suspended on the outside courts due to, due to heat, and they've got a, a very complicated formula about what triggers that, it's not just about... It's not just about the temperature gauge. Um, that is when the roofs close on the um, on the main show courts, and that decision was made, according to Matteo Berrettini, a couple of minutes before they walked on court. And Matteo Berrettini says, "Yes, it absolutely affected affected the match and how I started the match, but that's on me." He said, "I did not cope with that well at all." He said he was pretty appalled at himself at how he started that match. He was flat and listless and Andy Murray just saw a a piece of prey, didn't he? Somebody whose head he could crawl into and live rent-free for a couple of sets. And it was exactly, it was, you know, we talked about the Andy Murray that likes to exploit a weakness and it was utterly ruthless in that regard. He was... Yeah, he was totally exposed out there for two sets, Matteo Berrettini. And then he goes off with his swanky Hugo Boss um, bag with fresh kit in it. Probably has a good talking to himself in the mirror and good on him. He comes out, the Matteo Berrettini that that we were expecting to see today. And okay, it wasn't enough, but I'm glad he was able to perform and make Andy Murray feel like he really deserved... He played a top 20 player today. First two sets, he didn't. Mm. Andy Murray can really feel like he beat a top 20 player the hard way. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, these slow starts are costing Berrettini in in slams at the moment. Like, he's he's usually been really reliable in terms of beating players he should beat. I'd say, I'd say he probably should beat Andy Murray. I think... You know he'll be disappointed not to have won this match for sure, uh, but I think back to the match he played against Nadal here last year. He was two sets down before he really started playing. He was two sets down against Casper Ruud at the U.S. Open before he really found his game. Like he needs to come out of the blocks faster, I think, in 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 some of these big Grand Slam matches. Um, that can that can be a takeaway, I think, for Berrettini from the last year. Like. You, you just can't afford to start like that. And it, it, he's doing it all, a little bit too often at the moment. He did He did remind everyone in, in press that, you know, he was still suffering from that injury at the end of last season. He didn't have the off-season he would have hoped to have. He, he was undercooked co- coming in to this swing. And actually he was... Although he was knackered, it was four hours, 49 minutes. He was pleasantly surprised at how he felt physically at the end of that match. He wasn't sure he was ready for a five-set match. And he said, I did not lose that match physically. I lost it. I lost it in tennis terms and on rubbish backhand match point terms. Just imagine what he'll feel like in bed tonight, uh, thinking about that. How well, many... at least he doesn't have to have a row with Isla Tomljanovic <laughs> about where he's doing his Tennis Channel interview in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> at least he hasn't got anyone telling him, but I'm still in the Australian Open. 
cold comfort, I'm sure. Um, j- just last one on Andy Murray. He was very keen to tell us in the press conference, wasn't he? It was a question from Mike Dixon. I think trying to ask what is different. You know, clearly something is different. We saw it in you in the pre-tournament press conference. Despite you having no form, you felt like something is different. What gave you that conviction to feel that way? And it it was this three-week training block that he committed to doing in Boca Raton in Florida with Ivan Lendl. Um, it sounds like he led a, I think he called it a very simple life, you know, a monk-like existence, basically. Utter dedication. And uh, that that was the difference-making, you know, different different kind of training, totally blocking out everything else in his life and he is a father of four that's on the road you know 10 11 months out of the year to take three weeks out of his off season and block out everything else in his life is an extraordinary additional commitment and I hope that what happened today makes that worthwhile for him is I hope that feels like validation and and vindication for that sacrifice Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So, five-time finalist Andy Murray through to the second round you'll notice we are we are niftily avoiding chat about how far this run can go i think we should we should just table that i think and and enjoy this win just as i hope andy murray does as well who knows it could be more we're just not going to go there yet. Who's he got? He has got either Thanasi Kokonakis or Fabio Fanini. It looks very much at the moment like it'll be Kokonakis, but uh, that match has been rained off this evening with Kokonakis leading by a set and I think with a very commanding lead in the second set. So, oh, I think it's more than that. I think he's uh, two sets to love up and, right. and has a commanding lead in the third. I think right. I think it's Kokonakis. Right. Unless Fanini does a... 2015 US Open Nadal on him It doesn't tomorrow. feel like he's got that in him anymore, does no, it? And no. Kakanakas is playing very well, by the way. He is. He is, yeah. It'll certainly be 
um, music to Andy Murray's ears visually didn't work did it um, <laughs> he'll certainly late. be pleased to see that that match has been carried over to tomorrow yeah. because obviously Andy Murray's played four hours 49 minutes is 35 years old and if I haven't mentioned it enough does have a metal hip so <laughs> needs all the the physical edge he can get on uh, on whoever his opponent might be um, the nine-time champion Novak Djokovic's long-awaited return to the Rod Laver Arena has happened. It was incident-free, both in the crowd and on the court. He was he was greeted extremely warmly, if not rapturously. Quite frankly, he did have heavy strapping on his left left thigh, his left leg. I, it, it was heavier. It was slightly more alarming. Uh, visually than I was expecting, uh, but in terms of the performance, no cause for alarm at all against Roberto Cabellas Baena. That's right. We've just watched uh, the final set of that match in which I think he only lost three or four points. Uh, Once he had got firm control of the match, he never really let go. And by the end, he was in that really aggressive mode where, you know, we talk so much about Djokovic's defence, but actually he can just cut through players with his with his own ground strokes, and he was doing that by the end. Very very straightforward final set there. Less so for Casper Ruud, mm. yeah, mm. who uh, Against, who over you know, your over your right shoulder, David, is uh, is in a battle with. Well, we called it guys the best tennis player in the world, Thomas Mahatch. Yeah, based on about three rallies that we saw him play from the fence of his court. So we were feet away from him, side on. He was breathtaking. He was was. making us gasp. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think most tennis players, when they play full out in practice with, with no need to sort of try to win points, but just hit would take our breath away, yeah. a lot of them. And that sure. was kind of the... That was the I'm being facetious. That was the point yes. we were trying to make, but, wasn't but it? But at the that, same time, he he did make you feel as though anything was possible in those five minutes, didn't he? And uh, and he, I think he has an incredible eye, uh, Thomas Mahatch. He's able to dig out a ball that's coming at him at incredible speed and divert it, and he manipulates it. And he's a nightmare. He's a nightmare for Kasper Ruud right now, who was two sets to love up in this match, and, and now it's deep into a fourth set. Seeing as we can't report on the, uh, on the result of this match as we're recording before it's concluded, maybe I'll just resort to gossip and tell you that Katarina Siniakova is sitting in the Thomas Mahatch box. Oh. We, we know nothing more than that. I'm just... <laughs> Stating the facts we're as all, I see them. We're all here for it. We are all here for it. What else happened in the men's draw today? We got very briefly excited about Dominic Team, didn't we? Because he won a few games <laughs> in the opening set, hit, hit a couple of glorious backhands, flashes of brilliance, but just no match toughness whatsoever against Andre Rublev today. And Rublev's, Rublev's just kind of the opposite isn't it he's nothing but match toughness he doesn't have those peaks those moments of oh my goodness look what he's just pulled off but he just always brings his level relentlessly doesn't he um is it ever going to happen for thomas dominic team again i mean 
So it's, it's, I think I'm it's not a really, ready for that conversation. I just think it's a really important point. I just, I just don't understand how somebody who was that good, and I know he's had a, an awful injury, but the injury is apparently healed. So I don't get it. I do, as I understand it, there is an enormous mental element to a wrist injury. To, to gain the the freedom of hitting, the the burden free way of playing the game, which is exactly it's the only way Dominic team can be effective with open shoulders. I understand that that is very very hard with a wrist injury. I, I've got no experience of it. I'm just, I'm just reporting. That, I'm reporting back. Yeah, it might be worth. Laura Robson's out here, isn't she? Working for Australian TV. If if we bump into her, I would, I'd try and get her thoughts on it. Yeah, um, we're going to try and find. I, out. I desperately hope. You know, we've made no secret of it, have we? We just love watching Dominic Team in full flow, and could end up being a bit tragic. Actually, the the second chapter of his his career and I desperately hope that's not the case but yeah I mean he was less downbeat in his press conference than I thought he might be like I remember his press conference at the French Open last year when he'd lost in the first round there and he was pretty distraught really this this wasn't that I think one of the frustrations was actually he picked up another injury during this match he um he strained his sort of side or his ribs um, actually to um, adjust his ball toss because of the sun. Because it was so sunny, he was having to throw the ball up in a slightly different way. And he said he made a slightly odd movement and he hurt himself. Um, and that actually did seem to affect things in the match. He lost about 20 or 30 kilometers per hour on his serve after that. Um, it wasn't particularly close before that anyway but this just made it worse um he does appear to have a bit of a Andre Rublev problem like even when he was playing well Dominic team in his US Open winning year he lost a lot to Andre Rublev and he made the point that also it's it's a bad matchup um but to be honest just it's just the experience of watching him at the moment is a little bit dispiriting because personally I really felt like he did have that freedom back in his game and he was swinging confidently at the end of last season I watched him a lot because I'm very into Dominic team being good again and like you I've sort of been curious as to why it's not happening but it it seems to me like a real lack of match toughness it's, it's, it's like he's forgotten how to bring his best level at the big moments in matches like it was so frail you know it was it was on serve in that first set things were going fine and then suddenly he just threw in a couple of really bad backhands and the shoulders started slumping and and the body language went there's no there's no resistance there's no defiance Mm, that's Um, a good way of putting it so that I think is what needs to come back because without that He's he's half the player he was, a third of the player he was. He, he's so far from it. But, um, you know, he is confident that he's physically recovered. Um, and I guess now he'll get on get on the clay in, in South America, probably, and just look to keep building. Yeah, and I, and I desperately hope he can do just that. On the, on the same court, the John Kane Arena, Taylor Fritz came out after uh, Rublev and team he was 
very, very good. Beat Nikolos Basilashvili in in four sets. Dropped a set, but anyone can do that against Basilashvili. If he if he hits a purple patch, he just knocks you off the court, and more often than not, can't can't sustain it. Um, less good at art, Taylor Fritz <laughs> today. Explain. Well, he attempted to draw a sort of lock, a sort of padlock. Which apparently is a thing, sort of means you're locked in. No way through me. Yeah, maybe. So. Dialed in, focused. Lock, locked in. Is it? It's a lock. It's a padlock. I'll remember that, yeah. Um, but what he actually drew was a sort of penis and a swivel. <laughs> <laughs> There's really other, no other way of putting no, it. No, I, I thought, how do I describe this? That is what he drew. <laughs> uh, he did at least own it on Just on Twitter. Very drew, amusing. Drew a big bell end and on the camera. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much, Taylor. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, I mean, he was good. I was, I was. It was one of those where because the Andy Murray match was happening, I feel like you know a match is really good in the first week of a slam when there's so much tennis going on, albeit a bit less today because, because of the, um, because of the weather, but Andy Murray's match had my complete attention. And that so rarely happens for a match in the first week of a slam because it's just so busy. But so I didn't get to see a huge amount of this, but from what I understand, Fritz hit over 30 aces in this match, the most he's ever hit in a match. And as you said, the one set he did drop was just Basilashvili sort of firing, winners left right and center and i think fritz did did pretty well to to win that in four it sounded like a really high quality encounter could i just insert a quick gripe here because we've recorded a whole whole sort of two-thirds of this podcast without me having a gripe um why isn't the stat that we're given percentage likelihood probability of player hitting ace on any given serve. Like, serves per match is a useless statistic to me. I need aces as a percentage of serves hit. That is what I'd like to say. I don't know. Like, the stat, like, that's the most, that's the most uh, aces you've ever hit in a match. Well... If the match was six hours long. Well, exactly. What good that? Yeah, but I suppose, you know, it wasn't six hours long. No, so I mean, okay, it's not completely redundant, but it's not the stat that I want. No, sure, I understand. Mm. Uh, Alexander Zverev needed five sets today on his Grand Slam return following that uh, horrific ankle injury last year. Came through 6-4 in the fifth against the Peruvian lucky loser Juan Pablo Varillas. That was um, quite exciting for quite a while before Zverev prevailed. Holger Rune, straight sets for him and straightforward against Filip Krajinovic was talking in press conference afterwards about how the Netflix cameras are now following him and he's he's very sit to pass about it. He is he is not disguising how delighted he is. <laughs> it was a very sort of coy question. What do you think of the Netflix show? Would you be up for participating in the future? And he said, oh yeah, they're filming me now. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wait to get that out. Um... Casper Ruud, by the way, has broken in the fourth and uh, all being well, looks like he will beat the world's best tennis player and make it through to round number two. Uh, elsewhere today in the women's draw, what did we have? We had Ange Burr 
avoiding a bit of a banana skin against the former French Open semi semi finalist uh, Tamara Zidanecek, who, well, former French Open semi finalist, tells you she is capable of producing yeah. extremely good tennis. She's got a great forehand, really nice technique on that shot. She's she's got good intensity, hasn't she? She came out for this match really up for it, whereas Ons Jabeur came out with some pretty suspicious looking strapping on her knee didn't she David we were all worried about her back and out she comes with this dodgy looking knee and she was grumpy throughout the match she was not confident she didn't seem to have a clear idea of the best way to go about winning the match I think she wasn't feeling the ball the way she normally was there were drop shots she was hitting that were going halfway up the court and just asking to be put away Zidanecek just Played a really solid match with her. She was the opposite of everything that Jabir was. And frankly, she she really could have won the match because she had set points in the first set. She was pushing her throughout and she didn't get the job done. I mean, in the end, once Jabir had, um, had got her measure in the deciding set, it was quick. But Jabir looked stressed throughout that match and I mean that may well be to do with the injury as well the, uh, if she's not feeling quite right physically but um, you know it was uh, there was something that Coco Vandeweghe in commentary alongside me said on BBC Radio was she says sometimes you just got to fake it you've got she says she's not being the ministry of happiness right now and all, all the rest of it that she talked about at Wimbledon she doesn't feel like that and it's fine to not feel good not to feel happy out on the court but sometimes you've got to just give positive reinforcement down the other end of the court just to show you you're in the moment and that you that you are there and you are going to prevail because she was not sending off great body language today but she did win is there cause for alarm for you going forward david well based on that yes i do think though she's shown how much metal she has in the last mm. six or eight months She's, she didn't play that well at the US Open for, for mm, several rounds. Strange. She still reached the final. And, and I think if she's not physically hindered, ultimately, throughout the whole two weeks, she can probably manage a few rounds and then maybe hit her straps. It's certainly the more open side section of the draw, isn't it? So, you know, if she can work her way through this, this knee injury, whatever it is that that's going on you know she's she's going to be a contender for sure but it it's going to be a, a big question mark hanging over her speaking of contenders i give you arena sabalenka mm. she just looks devastating doesn't she, one and four today over Teresa martinsova um first up on the rod labor arena i've heard that she she got a she got a biomechanical coaching to deal with her serve which i find interesting because it seemed pretty apparent to me that the serving issues were mental you know she knows how to serve you don't just suddenly forget how to serve but then I also totally understand the need to feel like you're doing something and about it maybe that's it. mental well, isn't it? exactly you know, if you get the coach in you exactly. think you've solved it you know the, the placebo <laughs> effect is is very yeah. real you know and frankly whatever works there was a good quote I heard from a after this one that She's now trying to just concentrate on every point rather than getting angry about things not going perfectly. And, and I, I know that's you know, time-honoured method of achieving long-term goals, but 
It's not something I ever really expected to come out of her mouth. Well, that is, that is something that we've talked about with Petra Kvitova before, isn't it? Who has a very similar style of play, all or nothing type swashbuckling stuff. And she, one of the secrets to her success, particularly in her heyday, has been her extraordinary ability to to just accept the downsides of that style of play. Shrug off the the balls that hit the back fence. <laughs> Because there are more than those than with a Caroline Wozniacki or a Simona Hallett. But, you know, it's rough with the smooth, isn't it? And it's it's a, it's knowing one's game in, inside out and and being pragmatic about that. And something Petra Kvitova has always had and something Sabalenka is clearly having to learn. Um, and it's I'm, I'm quite enjoying this character arc this story mm. arc for arena sabalenka it's quite compelling totally yeah she was never more compelling to me than at the australian open last year where she got through several rounds despite having sort of zero game um and yet she sort of worked really hard in the last year to get back to a place where now she's got a lot of game and if Arena Savalenka is winning matches without any fuss. That mm. is bad news, I think, <laughs> for everyone else in the draw. Because, as you said, it's it's the fuss, it's the ups and downs which have sort of held her back, I think, sometimes. Uh, she was brilliant today. And just imagine having point-ending power in the heat that she was playing in. I mean, that must be such an advantage. I was was sort of watching that match, and I was watching Elise Cornet and Leila Fernandez at the same time. And Fernandez Cornet was a grueling encounter, you know, long rallies. Neither of them have huge weapons. I mean, Fernandez did actually hit quite a lot of winners, but they were long rallies. But Savalenka, it was just like, well, the point's over now, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not messing about in this heat. One way or another, it's ending. In, yeah, get me into the air conditioning, and you know, I'll move on and. Yeah, I think um I think she's in a really good place, Sabalenka. And and she does have experience of going deep in slams. You know, she has been there and done it. She's not been to a final, but um yeah, I think we should definitely be keeping watching and talking about Sabalenka. She feels like a big contender here. Fernandez Corne Corne, by the way, since you mentioned it was was very good, wasn't it? It wasn't disappointing. It just it just didn't quite develop into what I thought it could be because Fernandez was so good. Yes, yes. I think we're all there for the drama. Mm. And it wasn't actually that dramatic. It was just good and and high quality. Uh, Fernandez did say afterwards that she's quite good friends with Cornet. So maybe we shouldn't have been expecting drama and aggro. It feels like she could be her protege. I don't want them to be friends. <laughs> I kind of, I, I don't know. This is I, tennis and its politeness problem again, uh, isn't no, it? You say, Stop I, being friends, everyone. I think Corny's developing Fernandez. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a slow start from Fernandez. She was a breakdown, but then she played a really clean, controlled match. Um, and I was just a bit confused about what to expect from Fernandez just from looking at her results in Auckland because she won a couple of matches there barely dropping games and then she lost very handily to Isaline Bonaventure of, of Belgium but I 
realised, and I probably should have known because it was Auckland, that was a match that was moved indoors. So how much can you actually tell? And I think those conditions definitely would have suited Bonaventure more. Um, so maybe those first two matches where she was barely losing games were an indicator that actually she's she's playing well. She's in She's in good form. And I think we'll get a real test of that because we've got another... Another yes, please, round two, haven't we? Leila Fernandez versus Caroline Garcia. Oh, hello. When's that? Two well, days it'll time? be in two days' time, oh. David. I want to watch that. Mm. Caroline Garcia, incidentally, we might... Uh, uh, this is on the basis of one match against Catherine Sebov. Sebov. Who, okay, you know, you can only beat the opponent in front of you, but... I think we might be seeing end of season Garcia at the beginning of a season. Well, I hate to say I told you so, but <laughs> <laughs> after one match. <laughs> Shh, blooming good match though. Yep. Yeah, and she she uh played a couple of good matches at the United Cup as well. Yeah. No, nobody wants to say too I'm much. I'm not saying anything they? else. Okay. I got her in the final. Well, that was dynam- dynamic. Yeah. Dynamic listening. Caroline Garcia. Caroline Garcia is playing playing well. Everyone, just to let you know. Yep. Um, conversely, Garbini Muguruza, her woes continue. Yet another deciding set loss for her. Six one in the third against Elisa Mertens. Albeit that is a that is a tough draw. She's a tough opponent. It's the manner of the losses, isn't it, Matt? And it's the it's the pattern. She came to press immediately. I know you um, you had listening to the audio of that. There was it was mostly Spanish press in there. I think tough, tough scenes. Yeah, there is just so much baggage now with Muguruza because the same thing keeps happening. Uh, she keeps being in a winning position, unable to close it out, gets herself involved in a third set and loses it. She's lost eight deciding sets in a row. She hasn't won one since Dubai of last year, and a lot of them have not been close. Five of those eight deciding sets she's lost have been 6-1, including the one today, including the one at the start of the year against Andrescu, and both today and against Andrescu, she'd served for the match in, in the second set and not been able to close it out. It's just... It's just a pattern. She's losing in exactly the same way sort of every single time. And it's it's so just painful to watch. Um, and it must be doubly painful to play. And she's, she's at a loss. She doesn't have the answers. Um, it's quite... It's quite compelling to watch, you know, a, someone with a sort of Hall of Fame career not be able to close out matches and it's it's not for the want of trying it's not like her game totally falls apart it's just it's just a lack of confidence and a, a baggage and sort of just it's almost like you just know it's going to happen and she knows it's going to happen and the players against her i'm sure just know think, it as no, well it's gonna stick happen. in there I'm hang in there not go away here so I think what will happen is her ranking is going to drop quite a bit now. I mean, she was already unseeded, but, you know, she's talking about playing not really lower level events, but really just be a bit out of the spotlight, she was saying, I think, um, and just 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 keep working. But she said before she doesn't know whether to take 
time off or to keep trying and playing matches. She's so tough. She's really, really sort of stuck at the moment. And I, I feel for her because um, we, we know what she's capable of. And mm. it doesn't feel like it's close to changing at mm. the moment. It's, it's been like this for a year. It's, it's tough to see and we wish her well. Uh, what have we got for you tomorrow at Melbourne Park? We have the full schedule out now, and it's it's a mess, quite frankly. <laughs> if you've got There's a grand pass tomorrow, so you're so many a matches great time. from today. I can't pick out a first round match from a second round match. Um, I'll tell you what's on Rod Laver Arena, and uh, uh, we'll take it from there, folks. We got Igor Swiatek against Camilla Osorio, and then Jessica Pagula against Alexandra Sasnovich, and third up Rafael Nadal against Mackenzie McDonald. Day session again for Nadal. I wonder if he's requesting day session um, because of the conditions, because of how the balls are playing. I don't know. But, you know, generally speaking, what Rafa requests, he gets. And, yeah, he's played twice in the day now. So I wonder. Uh, Emma Raducanu against Coco Goff headlines the night session. And rightly so. Yes, please. Can't wait. It's followed by Stefanos Sitsipas against Rinky Hidjikata. The Australian wildcard. Matt's tactic for predictions this week is to choose Australian sensations. So I expect you to predict Rinky Hijikata to pull off <laughs> well, the upset tomorrow. Well, the problem is I don't know whether the strategy has failed yet because Max Purcell is uh, still playing against Emil Roussevori. He's losing, so... <laughs> I'm a bit worried about the tactic. He's got a, l- a long time to think about the fact that he's <laughs> yeah, losing, but, uh, isn't he? No, so I have abandoned that tactic and uh, just gone for a very good player tomorrow to win. The pick of the matches on the second court for me is definitely uh, Carolina Mukova against Danielle Collins. Yeah, I mean, it, under normal circumstances, if they were both fully fit and, and well, match David, fit. Carolina Mukova is never fully I fit. I know, so. but I'm just saying... That should be a great match, yeah. but yet I fear it may well not be because neither one of them looks 100%. Well, well look w- of them w- w- never does. Way to hype it up, David. That's last uh, on uh, the second court if you maybe, want to watch that. Maybe they'll cancel each other out <laughs> and just both be kind of like um, Wanted to good. pick out Elena Rabakina, who plays on the John Kaner Arena. She's last on there tomorrow against Kaya Yuvan. Um I'm pleased she's been given that billing just in principle as the Wimbledon champion. Um, and also because I think a one of those three show courts scheduling there tomorrow was going to be a huge advantage because of because of the rain that's uh, this forecast to come. So, And I, th- I think she's earned that advantage. She played on court 13 on Monday. I'm not saying she should headline Rod Laver Arena, but she shouldn't be out on court 13. No. no she shouldn't. It feels like I don't, because that I, I don't know don't know what it is actually but she was outspoken wasn't she at the U.S. Open about not getting the respect she deserved in terms of um, court assignments and it seems to have got worse not better since then so John Kane Arena for her tomorrow. Um, God, there's so, so much happening. I was, I was just thinking about how how I said what a great grounds pass it is. Except it's going to rain all day. It, it, that is true. It is going to rain. <laughs> and there's all going to day. be thirty mile an hour winds. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't wet anyone's appetite for uh, for what's going on on the outside courts because uh, none of it might happen. Oh, I know what I want to end on. 
I'd like to say hello to Pam Shriver, friend of the show, <laughs> Pam Shriver, <laughs> who, um, you, Pam. who's working with Donna Vekic at the moment, certainly at this tournament. She was courtside for uh, Donna Vekic's opening round match against... Bear with me here because, quite honestly, this is a player I'd never heard of before. Oksana Selek Mateva. Selek Mateva. A uh, 20-year-old Russian player, ranked 179 in the world. This match, after several other delays throughout the day, this match was literally going on all day. Um, and Pam's juggling an- another job with ESPN, by the way. This match was suspended for rain at 5-1 in the deciding set tiebreak. It still hasn't finished. It has not finished. <laughs> Who's winning that at the moment? Donna Vekic, okay. at least. That's a that long helps. time to think about a 5-1 lead, isn't it? <laughs> um, and uh, Pam's got some coaching to do, what we're saying, <laughs> in got... the next 12 hours. Go on, Pam. We back you, Pam. Go on, Pam. Go on, Pam. Um, so, yeah, look, hopefully the rain holds off tomorrow. And if it does, uh, everyone's in for a treat because the schedule is... Brilliant, but thank goodness for roofs slash roofs. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll know what it is. We'll never be able to end that debate. Uh, <clears throat> and that's it, I think, for your day two tennis podcast from Melbourne Park. I need to say that we have our Australian Open mascot, Cordelia. I posted our predictions uh, presided over by Cordelia on Instagram today, so head over there to check those out. And... Uh, Lots of other top-notch content, though I do say so myself. Yeah, you're quite good at that. Uh, we have our mascots. David's got Maisie. All right, Maisie. We this absolutely is... nailed it. <laughs> Maisie Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Big win. Fair play, David. That was that was impressive. It was impressive. Mm, thanks very much. Very impressive. To pick up on Andy Murray body language and yeah. change your mind. Mm-hmm. We picked up on it, but weren't brave enough. I wasn't. To I just wasn't convinced. Mind. Wasn't convinced. I mean, I'm not sure how much the body language contributed to the backhand from Berrettini, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all the rest of it. Um, day, uh, Matt Darwin. Well, it's all it's all We're sort just, of hanging in the balance. It's all hanging Darwin in the balance. is very much in Pam Pam Shriver's shoes at the moment, isn't he? Doesn't know. Yes. Doesn't know what the night will hold. Darwin, exactly. have a look at what you could have won. Xenia, <laughs> uh, for me, um, we were royally stitched up by Anna Karolina Schmiedlova, who decided to do a thing today and beat uh, Martina <laughs> Trevisan. She played out of her mind. Yeah. It's when she knew Catherine picked the opponents. <laughs> Absolute stitch up. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Klaus. We have our top folks Jamie, Drew and Hannah, thank you very much to them for being our executive producers. And we've got shout-outs, Matt. We have Mary Grant, who's in California. Like Mary Carrillo. Yeah. Hello, Mary. Hello to both Marys. Yeah, we love Marys. And like Grant... Oh, I've got a Shaps. Yeah, I was thinking Shaps. That's not not good. It's not not where I wanted to go, my... My mouth went into a place he has, that... He has no business on no. this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm sorry, Mary, for even mentioning Grant Shapps. She's in California. She probably doesn't no, know who blissfully he is. Unaware. No, don't Google him. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't Google him. Thank you, Mary. We've also got Alison Rowe, who is in Wellington, New Zealand. Oh, lovely stuff. 
like Alison Risk. Yeah. Yes, she was. She was playing today. I think her match might have been suspended. Fairly, sa- fairly safe bet. She yeah. was a massive underdog in that match. I seem to recall when we were looking up the numbers. Yes, against Marketa Vondrosheva. Yeah. Mm. Who is somebody I still think should be inexplicable getting lots more results so because let's, really we don't have time now to no, try and understand to into the career of <laughs> But Alison Rowe, thank you so much for being a friend of the pot. We've also got Wilson Lee, who is in San Jose. Right, Wilson. Hello, Wilson. Wilson says that he's not named after a tennis racket, but <laughs> uh, he says most parents would name their boat after their kids, but my parents named me after a boat, the SS Wilson, the ship aboard <gasps> which my dad immigrated to sunny California. I love okay, everything well, about that. I love Wilson's the nominative cool. determinism. I love that my dad is going to want to go back in time and name me after a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Whitaker and Wilson are going to be pals. I absolutely love that. Hello, Wilson, and thank you for being a friend of the pod. We've got Christiane Savoie in Moncton, Canada. Wow, that's like a lovely name. Jacqueline Christiane that got pounded by Jessica Pagula yesterday. <laughs> did, did she? I don't know who that is. Um, but yes, I, I was maybe <laughs> distracted at the time for the 42 minutes that it took. <laughs> Christiane, thank you so much for being a friend of the pod. And finally, we've got Tarsine in Toronto, Canada. All right, Tarsine. Sorry that I don't have any new material to our scene, but I'm going to say the thing that I always say when we have shout-outs from Toronto, Canada. Canada, I, I've dangled off the top <laughs> of a building there. <laughs> she has. I've seen the photo. She looks terrified. Was terrified. Yep. Sobbed all the way through it. Yep. Thank you, Tarseen. Lovely name. Hmm. That's it. That's it. That's it. Bedtime. Right. Bedtime, big day tomorrow. First round, second round, it's all happening. We will be there to wrap up all of it for you at the end of the day. We will speak to you then. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.